All right, guys, welcome to this episode of Driven by Details. I'm excited about this one because we got the three amigos here, David Patterson from Oberg Car Care, Mr. Kilmer, and myself. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks. I'm glad we uh, carved out time to do this and kind of last minute. This is the kind of... Clearly, last minute. Yeah. I I got the text message from Dave, um, and he's like, yeah, we could... I'm free this evening. Let me know anytime. And then when I called you, Jay... You're like, we got to do it sooner than later. So, guys, yeah. here we are. Um, it is the start of January, and there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for we, sure. Uh, Dave and I just got back from Jesse's Classics and Customs, right? I always want to say Customs and mm-hmm. Classics, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I want to make sure yeah. uh, I get that right. And while we were in Michigan, Kilmer was in Ohio, Ohio. with RJ, mm-hmm. and um, it's like, the year is starting out. We're on the road. It's like not even two weeks right. into, right? <laughs> not even two weeks into January, and uh, the year is starting out kind of nuts. So, I just kind of want to, um, in this episode, I really just want to talk openly a little bit, and and mostly for our viewers. Kind of what I wanted to do is go back in time a little bit because earlier in the beginning of these episodes, we talked about how Kilmer and I met, and I don't, you know. I, you guys have known each other so much longer than we all, the three of us have known each other. And oh, so I wanted to kind of start with going just back in time a little bit and tell that story of how, um, you know, how the two of you guys met, you know, how, how Davey P and Jason Kilmer came together. So I don't know who wants to go first. I'll start it off. Yeah. Go yeah. I, uh, I was working at Lake country actually. And, um, one of my coworkers was Eric Dunn. He kind of was the guy that took me under my wing when I started there. And, uh, he, one day he said, Hey, you, he knew, like, I mean, obviously I was a detailer and, um, and I was getting my feet wet in the buffing pad industry and all that stuff. But he said, he knew I, I originally I was body shop guy. And, uh, and he said, you gotta reach out to this guy. You gotta reach out to this Jason Kilmer guy. You, you guys would get along real well. he, he, he's real smart. He knows a lot about the stuff that, you, that you're that into. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. And uh, <laughs> so I did. I, I reached out to him, and uh, I don't know. I, we just kind of kicked off a conversation on the phone, and I don't know, probably sent him some pads or something. I, I don't did. remember. But, you did. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of kicked it off there, and we uh, started talking, and we never stopped since. No, you'll, have to, you'll have to excuse my slur. I I had a, a cracked Ooh. tooth, so I had to some dental work, so I'm like a little lopsided. That's all well, right. Well, Dave, truth be told, Kilmer slurs a lot in a lot. Yeah. these episodes. So All that coffee. <laughs> fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I remember, remember specifically when he called me, guess what I was doing? I was in the line to get coffee. So I, I pulled over. Uh, in the coffee line, out of the coffee line, I pulled out of the coffee line. We were talking. I'm like, dude, I got to get coffee. So we were talking as I was getting coffee. Uh, so nothing has really changed. Um, <laughs> no, so, no, no. Yeah. So wait, Dave, did when, before you met Kilmer, did you take like any time to do a little bit of research or did you just like blind, just call him? Just like, just call him. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, typically that's i mean that's what you do as a sales guy you probably like research the guy a little bit but i was Mm -hmm. i was Mm -hmm. uh i was a noob i was pretty pretty fresh and and on top of it he just 
you know, it was just kind of like a, a casual type thing. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. I, I had a couple minutes one day and I figured I'd give him a shout, but yeah, no, once, once David said body shop, it just, you know, I, I think once anyone says body shop, it kind of, for me, it's like, okay, now we're, we're speaking kind of the same language. Sure. Um, even though he was more collision type stuff, um, still, he knew how to sand, he knew how to use a rotary. So right there, it kind of piqued my interest. Hey, you seem like a nice guy, you know, 11, seems 12 like years nice later, guy. he's still a nice guy. So probably too nice. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, but Kilmer, don't you think that that made like the comment you just made has maybe changed a little bit? Like maybe when you and Dave David's first not met, a nice guy now, is that what you're no, saying? No, 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 no. Uh -huh. Like <laughs> when someone says body shop, right? Because that was what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago? Yeah, probably right? 11 now. Coming this year, probably 11. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like as the industry's kind of evolved and changed and stuff like that, like there's, we've become more immersed into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all yeah. of us in some strange way. And I, I, I think it's super cool that, um, you know, we get to do this stuff and the three of us kind of connected over time. Cause I've only known, I mean, I think I met Davey P actually for the first time at the, in person at the Gloss University at yeah, Ring, Ring Brothers. Brothers. When you came in, up for the Sunday with uh, James right. and Davey and me. Yeah, that was uh, that was in 2020. Yeah. That was August of yeah. 2020. So, yeah. um, uh, And you know, James is actually jonesing to get back out with us too. So I just yeah, arranged right. with them. So, yeah. No, I will. I, I definitely want to kind of get into, uh, into that a little bit more with the Gloss University stuff as a kind of episode evolves here a little bit. But, all right, so... You guys connected on the phone for the first time, but when did you guys first like uh, meet, meet in person? person? Was it at a was it at a SEMA show, or was it like how how did that happen? David, I don't know the answer. Was it SEMA or was it Detail Fest? It had to have been one of the two. That's crazy how the uh, years it was just probably Detail Fest. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but, but back when Auto Geek was doing Detail Fest. It was funny. He's like, Yeah, I'm developing a pad. It's called the HDO. He's like, You and Connor are the only ones that know outside the company. I'm like, Cool. So I remember specifically where I was at again. I opened the package up and I called him right away and I said, They'll work. He's like, What do you mean they'll work? I said, I'm feeling them. I'm touching them. I'm probably licking them and tasting them. <laughs> and they're going to work. He's like, have you used them yet? I said, I don't need to. They're going to work. You know, and that, look, that's got to be the number one selling pad of all times. It's yeah. got to be way it up. It did pretty well. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, it does pretty well. I don't, I don't know anymore, but, um, but yeah, it was a pretty big pad for the time. I mean, the Rupas, um, changed a lot of stuff, you know, in terms of polishing products. And those are like, um, you know, probably the two pivotal moments in my career in terms of like understanding things like uh, uh, a skill set and a certain level of knowledge, but just putting the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, like the, mm -hmm. um, the one of them was working at the dealership, you know, like getting into the situation that I didn't know what I was getting myself into in terms of pay, but, you know, working at a dealership and, and doing, you know, thousands of cars and being able to like hone in and craft my skill along with the body shop stuff. But then, um, but then that moment too, because when I started with Lake country, you know, originally I started with sales and then it transferred into product development. But, um, when I first started, 
there there was only so many people and I only knew my job role so much. So um, it was new to me and I didn't necessarily have somebody that trained me or like a, a sales manager originally, you know, sure. at the time that kind of managed our department or anything like that. So for me, it was just a whole new experience. Um, and I spent a lot of time trying to understand the product a lot. So I spent months and months just, you know, between, um, sales calls and trying to find new accounts. I would spend the time down in the detail bay and it was just a lot of pads, a lot of polishes and a lot of, a lot of sanding, uh -huh. you know, just trying to understand the differences between things, the minute, the fine differences, the, you know, all these different things. And then, um, and that was, you know, kind of around the Rupes era when they became relevant sure. and, you know, when they came out, they had a pad system that was totally different, sure. um, two totally unique foams at the time that, that were different than any, what anybody had seen, you know, that really coarse blue and, and all uh -huh. that stuff. So, um, I just spent a lot of time doing different things like that. And, and it just totally just made my gears start turning. Um, and then that was kind of around the time that the HDL came out too. So I, I got a question then here for you, Dave, because I mean, I probably for people listening to this podcast, like not many people probably know that you were, you know, the, the doing the product development behind the HDO pad. And I, I didn't even really know that for a long time. And so I guess I, what you have original. No, no. Yeah, I do. I actually have original. Oh, this is awesome. Well, for everybody listening to this, uh, you know, I, I, as long as we've known each other, I didn't know the, uh, oh. dude, that's super no cool. Way. Yeah. So when we, and this is the first one, you know, so the version, version one with the, the different material, you know, now it's a different type of foam, but, um, this is one of the original sample sheets that was produced, uh, to make some sample pads, you know, obviously we, they have to make it on a larger scale, but um, laminated some sheets together to uh, to make these. So I say when I left, what, I, I saved one of these sheets because I thought it was kind of cool. Not that it, I mean, you should, David, you should frame it. I have a, a couple other things too. I mean, I got the I got a big microfiber pad. I got I got all sorts of stuff um, that I kind of saved over the time just because it was kind of cool. I don't know what I'll ever do with it, but. Um, it's just kind of neat. I mean, I, I was a technical guy, you know, I went to, I went to school before I went to, to closure repair school, but I mean, technically I was just like a, you know, a, a detail guy or something like that. So a lot of the stuff I feel like is kind of crazy that I've got, had gotten the chance to do. See, but what a lot of people don't know is to David's left, my right, there's a closet there and there's a treasure trove of different unique stuff that is in <laughs> stuffed in that closet. I've been in that closet. I'll, I'll bust out a couple at some point. <laughs> I'll, grab a, I'll, I'll grab a couple of unique items. Oh, I have like t-shirts from every car, like most of the cars that we've done that I've ever been big cars. Um, that I just got and never wore that I keep them, um, all sorts of weird crap. And then to the left, he's got a rack of like pressed shirts and stuff like that. You go to David's house, you never know what you're going to find. It's like and a then museum. He's like, oh, I got some new shoes. Oh, I got some chocolates. Oh, I got some new tacos because I'm a taco guy. I'm a total taco guy. <laughs> it is just awesome to go to David's house because you'll never know. And there's a fish tank. Right in the back to the right by the washer and dryer, which I've used several times. It's like 
you ne- you never know what you, we need to do a cribs episode of David P's house. Kilmer, did you? And it's just nothing say, special. I, did J- did Jason just say that he used the fish tank a couple times? What? Uh, <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm just very, not, very possible. Uh, now I'm just a little confused. Like, what were you doing in this fish yeah, tank, right. Jason? <laughs> well, he's got a fish tank on that side, and then you go the other side on the mid level. There's another fish tank. See. My problem is I just don't sit still, so like. I don't know. I get I get into I don't even I, and I collect stuff that you shouldn't collect, and I uh, just have too many hobbies. I well, love and that. That's what that's why we love Davey P. No, I love that Jason <laughs> remembers all these little nuances in your basement, but has a str- struggles with the time that the two of you guys first met. He's like, what's oh yeah, that's Kilmer. say? Kilmer and Davey P. Well, no, Dave, I got a question for you, though, because I think it's kind of something cool to talk about. Like these, there are nuances in certain buffing pads that, you know, that we have to deal with or that come about in different paint systems and stuff like that. But I guess maybe for myself, I just thought about this while we were talking about it. What um, I guess I got two questions. Um, Question number one was really what were maybe some of the things that let, why did, we go to, you go down that path to create the HDO pad. But additionally, I'm thinking like as if you're if you're all in buffing pads, like what are as a sales guy, what are the complaints or objections that you're having to overcome? Right? What are your customers complaining about? Right? Like someone complains about a buff pad. What type of complaints do you get? Is it uh, it's not working good or it's not holding up? Like I, I don't know. Well, I mean, originally so so with those pads, the idea was that was kind of at a different time. So at that point, there was um, the Rupaz pads, which were the, the newer pads that were different. Right. And right. even though they were different and they were unique and they did work, um, there was a lot of people that didn't like them um, because they just it was unfamiliar or they just didn't like them. Sure. Um, but nonetheless, um, the traditional foams that we were using in the past didn't necessarily like hold up to the, mm-hmm. the heat and the, mm-hmm. the tearing action that the long throw polishers were were doing to them. So the the original idea was like, okay, well, how do we make a pad that, let's just say, with the long orbit, the 15 millimeter, 21 millimeter orbit, that was like double or more of what we were using traditionally. So huh? you're you're essentially moving the foam and and moving it back and forth and and it's plastic foam is polyurethane so when you start having it get warm the plastic tends to move more so it elongates um it gets off balance um, sure that makes sense wait it 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 over rotates because the the weight of the pad is now at a at a a larger diameter you know essentially Mm because the foam is like spread out but from the gravitational pull um, so a lot of things happen. So the idea was like, how, how do we create a pad that allows somebody to use like a traditional style foam that that um, they maybe are, are used to or, or accustomed to, um, but reduce that fatigue mm-hmm. um, that would mm-hmm. then destroy a pad? Because essentially, the you know the whole you hold the DA polisher flat. The only way the heat can go is up. It, sure. it resonates up through the the Velcro hook and loop system. Um, but at a certain point it gets trapped inside the foam and then, um, you'll see that collapsing or where it looks like a bowl or a dish, or even if you cut the pad open, there might be a hole in it, um, essentially from that, the friction back and forth in in the inside of the pad. And then it's 
deteriorated or melted the foam. Sure. Um, sure. So essentially like, you know, when you, and we've talked about this in a lot of, if you take a piece of metal and you bend it back and forth, it gets hot and that's molecular friction. So essentially it's the same thing, same type of idea, but in the, the plastic strands of the foam. It's insane. Um, and then once we got that, you know, like started getting it together, realized like, oh, well, this is really neat. Now we have something that, you know, without being tested yet or, or proof of concept, like there's a va there's a moisture and vapor barrier to prevent the heat from going up into the hook and loop surface. Sure. Um, sure. So that mitigated the issues of heat failures points, like your, your, yeah. your pain points. You're yeah. adding an additional layer that could potentially fail fail because it had a, a adhesive or a bond point. Correct. But you were reducing the fatigue on all these places, so it, it worked really, really well. So, like, when you look at DA polishers, like, the, you know, friction is on the surface, you know, plastic, the, the pad to the paint or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever pad it is to the paint. Um, but usually that's um, with a polish, so the liquid creates more of a, a wet heat or like a steam versus a dry heat. Uh -huh. um, and then you have the molecular friction in the pad and then you have the hook and loop movement. So like any, any movement from the, the attachment from where the pad hits the backing plate. So right. those are your three main points. And, and most of the failure usually is in the inter inside of the pad or on the back of the, the hook and loop. Yeah. Um, like even when Rupes, like it, they changed their backing plates at one point, cause there was some that didn't stick well that would be a, an issue because it would heat up the, the hook and loop. So the first HDO, like this one, this worked really good. Um, but this was back when the the first LHRES came out. And mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. machine didn't have as much power as it had in Europe. And, um, and this pad worked really, really well. So these did good and people liked them. And then they started to fail when the Mark II came out because the Mark yeah. II had more power. Right. Um, and then that was when we kind of redesigned the pad to utilize a different material um, to withstand that stuff. But then the other thing was when you had that dual layer, if you used a taper design, essentially the outer diameter of that secondary base layer was larger than the backing plate. So uh -huh. you were getting a more even distribution of down pressure. So like similar to, you know, the guys that used to use um, exact cut pads, like the, you know, mcguire's pads and stuff like that where it would be exactly the size of the backing plate because it performed really well but I, at least the finished result was really good i don't think the user experience is that great um but the same or the opposite kind of idea like you got that experience of getting an even down pressure for the performance on the paint uh -huh. um, but you got all the benefits from having a taper pad and and um protecting the backing plate and and everything else dude that's so cool like i, I just have, I, I have a funny story <laughs> I want to hear this funny story, Jason. So I was uh, detailing with Nick Chapman. We just, I think Dylan just, and Dylan, Jason wasn't at Rupes at the time. Jason Rose was, wasn't at Rupes at the time. Yes. What, Dylan yeah. sent uh, Nick Chapman some um, uh, Rupes version two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, after the legacy one. And that thing performed so well. I had a Meguiar's embossed microfiber and I'm railing on, on a, a pro street Bronco. What? And then it's on. Foof. I look up, it's flying 
it hit the ceiling and came back down. And Nick was like, what the heck was that? I'm like, that's the pad. <laughs> and I, I, I lifted on the machine so it didn't hit the paint. But I was like, we got a problem. This machine cannot hold the Velcro, especially with mm-hmm. the Meguiar's embossed emblem, which is cool, but there's a lot less surface to for it sure. to attach. There is. And I'm like, man, we... And after that, there was a lot of issues with pads that I remember that guys were having because the added torque or power David would know more than, but it it, it changed sure. dramatically. Yeah, well, yeah I, I think that I, I can't speak for them because I didn't work for them, but they I think they when they did the Mark II, they changed the backing plate so that it was the, yeah. From what I understand, the idea was that it was easier to remove the the pad from the backing plate. Mm-hmm. Um, so sense. when you peeled it, it peeled off really easily, but the side to side tear action w- was solid. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy to think that like these, you know, the buffing pads, especially, you know, in the early part of my sales career, it was really just everybody used rotaries, right? Yeah. So the, you know, you walk into these shops and, you know, you can move about a car and complete a whole car with one or two pads. You know, mm-hmm. if you're using a big, you know, old eight or nine inch wool pad, you know, you could get about the car and move around and cut it out. And then, you know, that's how we did refinement back in the day. We'd cut it with a wool pad and we'd, you know, take off uh, the wool pad and put on a yellow foam pad, the old buff and shine pads and, and kind of go down from there, you know, wool pad, uh, yellow foam, black foam, you know, three step it if you had to on black cars. And then, Right around the time we had to start selling that stuff, it was I got a lot of complaints from everybody. Just pads not holding up. Didn't matter. Didn't matter what you gave them. If it was a microfiber pad, didn't matter if you gave them a foam pad. Just uh, that that long throw that you're talking about on these newer machines, the pad just didn't like it. You know, mm-hmm. and and everybody hated it. You know, in the beginning because they they were used to that old system going around the car with one pad. You know, mm-hmm. so to them, they're like, oh, you have to, you know, lay out a couple pads and rotate your pads. They're like, you know, that's too much work. So it's weird to think back that there was, you know, uh, how, you know, the industry kind of evolved to to meet the tool, right? The tool mm-hmm. comes out almost first. And and then, you know, you found this problem with these pads and then you develop the stuff to fix it. So I think it's pretty cool. They yeah, even, the adhesive, even the adhesive and the bonding materials and stuff like that just weren't used with the same type of temperatures and, and things sure. like that. So it was sure. totally game changer. Well, what, like, to your ball customers, Dave, like when you were working for Lake Country, like, if do you remember, like, what was there a common theme or a reoccurring complaint or objection that the people would complain about? I'm just curious about that now. It's just, I know I mentioned it earlier, and I'm thinking now about my sales career and the times that, you know, guys would be like, oh, this pad doesn't last. And so I I don't know if there was a reoccurring theme in your, you know, through your lens that you commonly had to deal with. Yeah, I think um, delamination is always the the main cause or the main topic, um, mm-hmm. whether it's user, you know, user-induced or whether it's a product failure itself, mm-hmm. um, just because... I mean, you, if you look at a, a foam pad, it's foam, your bonding material, and then the Velcro or, you know, the sure. sure. So the, the adhesive point's usually going to be your first point of failure. Um, right. So whether that's caused by heat or, you know, an issue that's 
done, you know, or whether it's an actual defective product, um, it usually comes down to that. So it's just, that is more on a user experience side. Um, I would I think agree. Overall, from like a, a customer experience, and even then, my honest belief was that the majority of people would not complain if they had an issue. They just wouldn't buy your product again. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it's a, a low cost per unit item. You know, let's just say ten bucks, give or take. Um, it's a great point. So you, you have a you know have a bad pad and it's ten bucks. Say, oh, I don't like that pad or that pad sucks, and I'm never going to use that pad again. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like a lot of times, you didn't you didn't necessarily find your problems right away. Sure. Um, and even like the rare occasion where we had some problems, um, you can't necessarily tell that during production. So, like, sure, visually yeah. and and you know aesthetically, everything is bonded properly and everything looks right. Um, and there's signs that you can tell when a pad falls apart, at least from a manufacturer's side standpoint, sure. where you can understand, you know, I would give it like a 95%. I could tell, um, what caused a pad failure, um, right. regardless of whether the, you know, the customer felt okay about that. And sometimes you just make the problem right anyway. Yeah. Um, and yep. then try to help them understand what they could do better to <laughs> mitigate that problem in the future. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, from a customer customer standpoint, it's always like, what's new? What's the best? Right. Um, because right. they want to sell the best and the newest and the you know that that type of thing. Um, or like, I'm competing with this, and this is you know this this product is really doing good, and and I need something to compete with this or something. Sure, sure. No, that um, makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, jobber business is totally different than the online consumer, where or at least it's blending a little bit more now because a lot of these jobber trucks are aren't just catering to dealerships there there's so many detail shops that they're catering to them too um uh-huh. Uh-huh. but yeah the depending on who that customer was would kind of be their different complaints well i mean that and that was me you know driving around on the route truck hustling the juice and yep and um you know in the early days we didn't even you know we didn't have that stuff we just sold all those big old pads and you know, now as, as it's crazy just to think like, you know, we used to do everything. Cars were bigger in mm-hmm. the older days and, you know, an old eight inch pad, you could maneuver it around all that stuff. But now with all the babbles and the turns, it's, it's crazy. Um, well, you gotta keep, you gotta cater to your customer. That's the hardest part about the drivers. I think is like, for them, it's a big decision to take uh-huh. a product because they have a certain amount of room. Yep. They have a certain amount of customers, you know, every, each one of those customers wants something different, but you got to try to cater to all of them. Like they matter and like, you know, keep product in stock, but the guy's like, you got to have this pad for me, but I only buy three pads a month, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I remember I, those days. like I, you got to be, so you find that balance in there. And, um, I think that's the biggest challenge to say, all right, well, I'm, if I'm going to pick up this pad, or if I'm going to pick up the, this product line, it's got to make sure it covers a broad spectrum here. Yeah. Do you know what I miss the most about DVP working at Lake Country? Tell me. His corporate credit card. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I did not. I did not abuse my privileges at no, all. No, you but, did not. But we, we, but we did spend a lot of good time together. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> go looking back on it, I probably should have used it more. But uh, like, I, I always treated it like my it was my own business. But but we did have fun. Yeah. 
and we got to do a lot of cool stuff, whether it was like, you know, going to Greece and oh, um, yeah. training there. And, and actually, I mean, at that point, Andreas paid for everything. Yeah. So um, it was being funny. able to do these things. Was, yeah. We were, we were in Chicago and I think my, my bay was a little over. David's like, don't worry about it. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I got a corporate credit card. I said, so what if we get stuck in Greece? He goes, don't worry about it. I got a corporate credit card. Oh, that's the <laughs> hey, you know what? That that was the the best feeling about it. I mean, yeah. not not that they would pay for it, but that you had the ability to pay for the whatever ability. you needed to, and then you could, yeah, figure it out later. You know, for forgiveness I, later. Yeah, you know, I was no longer with Lake Country. I got stuck in Peru, and I had to buy a new flight when I was in Peru to get. Oh home. no, really? So, yeah. So oh, like, bummer. I will say that the the corporate credit card was always the. Don't worry about it because yeah, don't worry about it. we'll figure it out. Later. We can we can figure it out later. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I never. I actually never abused my my privilege. No, you you did. But, you but very... we spent a lot of time together. So yeah, yes. and um, you know, Kilmer live dinners. Did, we did a lot for Lake Country too. You know, like and that was the thing. It, um, you know, for the Kilmer liked Lake Country, so that was a good part. I did. I still do. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Uh, great, great people, a, great company. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he helped support that brand too. And, um, sure. Whether it was testing product or, um, you know, taking it to trainings, you know, telling people about what he liked about products and it was genuine. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when we went out, you know, you gotta, gotta take Kilmer out to dinner and, and that's great. awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, it, it frustrates me now thinking about it because like, you know, in the early days for me and I'm not. I like Lake Country, and we, you know, I like a lot of their pads. And yeah, you're the Buffin Shine guy, though. We were yeah. Buffin Shine. Yeah, and that wasn't really my choice. That was by default. It was just kind of mm -hmm. what they were already selling, and it and it blows my mind because you know, when you think about it, like here we are in the Midwest, and Lake Country is just you know like two hours away from us, mm -hmm. right? Well, and, and, and for me, and that's why I knew Lake Country because, I, and I didn't even know they were like. You would think that it makes sense because the where the area that I live in is called Lake Country, mm -hmm. um, but I'd never really like, put the two together because originally on their website they had an Illinois address, uh, oh. but they but they were like in my backyard, and um, interesting. Yeah, but for us, our distributor around here for the dealerships and everything, they it was only 3M and and Lake Country, so like I always knew the Lake Country. Interesting. Well, well, back in the day when we would do detail fest, when I was at Grios, you know, when I became good friends um, with Eric through detail fest, um, you look at their website and it was like, what do you guys do? Like, we know you sell to the jobbers at a large rate, but the retail side wasn't, nobody could make the dots. I knew because I talked to Eric every year at Detail Fest. Mm -hmm. And D Eric was a hot rod guy, so we connected, you know, a lot. And so <clears throat> that's really when I started using Lake Country stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in the day, pre, you know, Patty, and uh, as we like to call him Davy P now. But, uh, Davey P. you know, so, I mean, th those that was a few years before I even knew who David Patterson was. Right. Um, right. But so it's funny to look back how the industry, it's the same, but it's changed quite a bit of, you know, back in the day of certain machines and certain pads. And that's all we had to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, and that yeah. was pre long throw DAs. I mean, that was a few years back before that. So sure. Well, I also think it's interesting to know, like, like Dave, like someone like yourself, <laughs> you know, in the way it's on the front lines of overcoming these objections and these industry challenges that don't often get fixed 
quickly or easily. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, okay, you, you have an issue, you have a problem that needs to be addressed. And in the meantime, you're still trying to burn through however many five, eight, 10, 20,000 pads that were manufactured, you know, to get it out to the masses. And then by the time you make a change in something, it's like, you don't know if it was for the better or for the worse. So it's, it's interesting to see how much time, you know, uh, passes and to, to get to where we are today, you know? It's, yeah, uh, I'd say like um, for so far, and like for my experience in the past, like the 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 peak life cycle for like launching a product is like two years. You know, you you'll sure. see like good growth, or you'll see a good jump on in like a year. But usually, it's by like that second year, whether it's a a really core staple or not. You know, right? Have right. you noticed that with Oberk so far? Um. Yeah. I mean. W- our line is different than Lake Country, though. You know, like mm-hmm. Lake Country is so many different products. So, like, mm-hmm. your job is a lot different in terms of what you're doing, you know. I mean, even then it was kind of hard because you have to find a placement for a product, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, like, towards the end, you'd, uh, in, the idea was that you'd, you kind of have to evaluate the opportunity. Like, there has to be a need or a want for some of this stuff. But... Sure. And of course, like I always had a different perception, right or wrong or indifferent, that you always had to um, continue to look for new product development because if not, your staple, your staple was just going to get overcome at some point, uh-huh. you know, so your bread and butter was always going to, at some point, it, it always has a life cycle. So that peak life cycle is, is whether you know it's good or not. Um, in terms of the customer, because they decide, not you, even if it's a great product, they, they decide. And then at at a a certain point it dies, you know, there's, I mean, there's plenty of products that have that eternity that we've seen since kids, but (laughs) most products have a a life cycle where something comes in to compete or, or potentially take its place. And unless it's continually evolving, you're just letting, you're letting your business go. Right. Um, so kind of finding a balance between that stuff, you know. Right. David, you bring up a good point. Um, detailers talk to me all the time. Do you think we're in, we were in interv- innovation for a while. Do you think we're kind of stagnant right now as far as an industry? Or do you think we're on the cusp of something really cool? That's a great as far question. As, as far as industry. So that's a good one, Jay. I think it's a little stagnant, but yeah, I think it's in its time for a wave of some sort. So I think I still think that there's ground to be broker movement and polishers, you know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. whether that's a, a different approach to this the current movement or um, like what Lake Country is doing with, you know, multiple movements. Um, you know that the the Udos machine hasn't really been a hot topic for a lot of people, you know. Um, but from like an internal side of things, I was never really part of the the machine. I I was part of initial stuff, but like the machine stuff was never my thing. Like I was, I just liked pads. It was just simplified, sure. and it was something that I could wrap my head around a certain way and develop. Yeah. And, um, yeah. But I think what they were doing is groundbreaking for one. Oh, and, absolutely. And way, for sure. <clears throat> way more advanced. And I think that 
you know, as much as I'm not there at all, I just have a feeling they have something to come, you know, and I think mm -hmm. there's different types of tools that you'll see that might um, come up where, you know, just a different rotation, let's say, or something like that, yeah. that I think well, could open up the doors to different yeah. types of polishing or uh, different opportunities. But I think the biggest, gonna, the biggest thing is going to be trying to adapt to the market, right? Like, right. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, yeah. in, in the beginning, it's always tough, right? If you're a pioneer, I remember I had this conversation with Todd Helm. The Legacy One came out. I said, what do you think about this? I think he goes, Todd, that works for Rupes now. He goes, that's a hunk of shit. Give me a porta cable and a rotary. Yeah. Now he works for Rupes. So in the beginning, when Rupes came out, funny. it was still porta cable and rotary, right? I can do mm -hmm. that with that's what I had, machines. Yeah. We don't need a long throw DA. This is BS. You know, mm -hmm. it was really Kevin Brown that brought, I remember at SEMA, David, I don't know if you you were there that year, but Barry Thiel brought me over to the booth and everyone was there. And I remember coming over going, Kevin was there and because yeah. him and Derek were cleaning cars. And Kevin's like, this is what I've been talking about. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, <laughs> a long throw DA. I'm like, why would you need a long throw DA when you have a rotary? He's like, just trust me. And how that came about was by complete accident. And I would like to get Kevin's actual take on this. Maybe we'll get him on a podcast. I doubt sure. it, but maybe. Him and Derek were going to the central hall. And by default, they had actually walked by the booth accidentally. And Kevin just looks over and goes, stop. He stops in his track. And he told Derek, I, I think this is a story. He went over and saw it and goes, that's what I've been looking for. So they went oh. back several times and he tried to bring as many detailers within the, the, you know, the, the upper echel elite guys um, right. Right. to come take a look at this magic tool that is going to supposedly change the industry. Well, I didn't, and I didn't try it till after that year when Scotty Vells, Scott Vells from yeah. the country brought it because yeah. he was, at that time I had my detail shop and he, or it was right around the time when I went to Lake Country, I don't know, around, around 2012, 2013, he had brought mm -hmm. one to my shop and, um, it's 2012, I think, but either way. Yeah, that's right. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. And he brought one and I was like, this thing is crazy. This is cool. But we, at that time, I mean, he, he did have some buff and shine stuff too. So he had, uh, the buff and shine orange pads, which don't work on that machine at all. They perform well, like it finishes not down nice, but like the pad doesn't last. It doesn't like, sure. um, or at least the old one didn't, I don't know what they got now, but, um, so that we, we tried it on that. And I remember we did it on a hood and I think we got like half the hood or the hood done and the, the pad had been clapped. Smoke. Um, it had seen better days, but I was, it was the first, you know, first opportunity to use it. And I was like, man, this is sweet. This is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those machines are awesome. I, David, I, uh, grandma's dirty rug. Yeah. Explain grandma's dirty rug. This is, I've, uh, I, I've never heard this. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I like where we're it's going. It's an Udos wool pad, um, essentially. But it's a product that we worked on for a really long time. And, I, you know, I don't know how popular the Udos wool pad is. Um, 
It, it works pretty well, actually. Is that the pad that's got the squares in it? Yeah. Like, kind of yep. like the, it looks the like little grandma's old dirty rug. Yeah. <laughs> By our friend Andy Ward. <laughs> you know, originally that there that was a, a Japanese product, like a, a Japanese wool type product that wasn't really popular here, but it was the only product that I had found that had cut on the level or more than a purple foam wool. Uh-huh. Um, so it was like, just looking at how do you create a micro wool pad essentially because wool has some advantages over microfiber um and how do you how do you make one like that um so originally it started off it was a long project but nonetheless <clears throat> andy ward got it on him i think mm-hmm. he used to call him grandma's old dirty rug because they would use them <laughs> for wheel repair and the pad lasted forever he's like oh that grandma's old dirty rug <laughs> That's so funny. I remember the first I had a uh, the first time I actually used one of those pads. I was using it on a uh, on an like a, just an enhancement detail. It was a, a lower paying job, and the the car had been painted, and there was overspray, like like excessive amount of overspray baked in on the top of this black infinity and infinity paints pretty bad especially black to begin with mm-hmm. and i i was like i'm like well let's see what this thing does and and i i was shocked at how well like how aggressive that pad was and and how i was able to get so much correction and kind of gloss and just a, a, like a one step you know i've chewed mm-hmm. through everything i mean <laughs> bye bye over spray and all the you know like it it worked quick i was like whoa <laughs> you know so it was i remember when i delivered the car to that guy he was like holy cow this looks great and it was you know it was a lower paying job i think it was three or four hundred bucks or something for just like an, an, a quick enhancement but the tops were smoked and that was the first time i ever used that pen so uh it, it it's a little tough on the da because of that like it, it creates a lot of feedback. It wants to chatter around a little bit from what I remember. If it gets clogged up. Yeah. And, um, you know, the hardest part when you get into these small wolves is like the, the limitations in the sewing, uh-huh. but then also <clears throat> a balance of top because everything has a tolerance, you know? So like sure. you wanted a certain point. Yeah. And then when you're talking about things like this, it's like, it's millimeters. So you're like, all right, the, it's a target millimeter, but, just because I want it, your spec range, you can have whatever you want as long as you're willing to buy it. Uh-huh. So I could say, oh, well, I want X amount of millimeters. And they say, okay, well, your your tolerance, your price is this and your tolerance is this many millimeters plus or minus. Uh-huh. You say, well, that's not going to work. I need it less than that. They say, okay, well, we our price is going to be this because we estimate that we're going to get this. We're going to run this amount and this percentage of it is going to be within what you want. Right. Within your tolerance, but you have to buy it all, yeah. you know, cause yeah. we don't make it for somebody else. Sure. You know, so Got then you got all in. Mm-hmm. And some of these things are really, really small. So, um, some of the original ones might have been a little bit shorter than what they are now or what they are intended to be. That can cause a little bit of chattering too. So um, it's just a, a mix between residue control and then sure. pile, the pile length. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so cool talking about buffing pads because I think it's like, for me, you know, I always say it's like, it's the last thing to touch your paint. Well, maybe not the last thing. The last thing to touch your paint is the microfiber towel wipe off. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
you guys have seen my pad collection and it continues to grow. And I just, I, I, you know, you, there's a level of respect for it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm always trying to, I got my pads organized and I got them cleaned up and I got an array of things because different jobs require different stuff and you just never know what you're going to need. Right. I mean, Kilmer, you're the master at that. I mean, all your travels and kind of showing up on these jobs, you're dealing with all types of paint systems and you just never know. And it's like, you, 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 you think something's going to work and you, and then you get going with it. You're like, uh, you know, <laughs> you have to say the Thundercat pad is Thundercut. Yeah. I yeah. call it the Thundercat. Why do you Ram. call it the, the, oh, the Thundercat? Yeah, the cartoon, right. Thundercat. Dude, that's, yeah, Dude, that's that great. Pad, out of the package, if the UPS guy hasn't screwed up the box, right, and it's level and straight, because for me, using a rotary is difficult, right, with one hoof. Right. Mm. So that Thundercut, Thundercat pad with the Oberk new backing plates are, dude, they're like butter. I remember yeah. when Noxie used it at Gloucester University. Dude, he was super stoked. I, I thought he was going to fall, like, fall down. He's like, <laughs> he looked over at David and he's like, what the is this? Yeah. David's like, yeah. well, you know, it works. And he's like, no, it works great. Mm -hmm. You know, but and go ahead. It's uh, it's different though. You know, like um, that's a silk product. So that's kind of like microfiber silk, super fine. Um, it's like the, the finest natural fiber in the world. So it's like a, a natural microfiber for your rotary. So it doesn't create the same type of heat. Um, but if you notice, like on some paints, it, it's almost too aggressive. Um, uh -huh. Like, can leave a, ha a little bit of haze. Yeah, where it leaves like a, a an interesting pattern behind mm -hmm. it, um, where it's different, especially on a, a repaint. You know, and I think that's where Maddie might have seen it a little bit um, last week when we were cutting some stuff. Um, not not just with that pad, but with some other wool pads too. Uh -huh. um, but it it creates a unique type of a pattern that almost looks hazy, you yeah. know, and you're like, what is wrong with this thing? Like, what did I do or what do I need to do? Sure. And you can be like, no, it's, it's no big deal. You clean that up with a DA really easy, you know, like, yeah. Um, but it looks very interesting to say the least. Sure. It doesn't look like it would clean up with a DA. Yeah. And yeah. David, is that because the silk you think, or do you know? I think it's both. Well, I think part of it's okay. the silk. It's really fine. Um, and the other part is just the, the paint's different, you know, it's not, a lot of that stuff's not baked. So it's probably not cured for a long time, especially if you're spraying, you know, eight coats sure, yeah. or whatever it is. It's not fully cured either way. And well, remember when we were at Colton's and the clear was what? Six years, six hours fresh. Yeah. Jello. Yeah. Jello. <laughs> yeah. And that's sometimes reality for a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, yeah. Well, I, I would, I think we should almost do like a whole thing at some point more on buffing pads. Cause it's, I mean, it's, it's cool stuff, you know, yeah. and I think there's a lot of new, like fine nuances and buffing pads that we often sometimes just overlook. Yeah. Well, right. you know, and, and David, honestly, he's going to say he's not, he's not very intelligent cause that's how David is, but he's very intelligent In no fact, i mean he's, this is... he's the most intelligent when it comes to buffing pads and right. fine new things of what we're doing mm -hmm. david knows he's well, just sure. not going to tell you it's... what he knows because when you think of it like most people that are using pads are kind of just giving their input mm -hmm. from a user experience 
you know, but David is kind of, you're taking more other parts of kind of like a construction, you know, and sourcing and manu uh, manufacturers lens. So it creates yeah, yeah. this whole other perspective that sheds lights on why the user is experienced what the user is experiencing. Well, you, know, you know, and that's what, that's what makes Davey P Davey P. He's sure. not just a salesman. He's a technician at the highest level. Well, and I'm yeah, sure. I'm kind of obsessed with the stuff. I don't yeah. know, just like everything else. And like, I, I thought it was funny when I first started working at Lee Country because Eric Dunn at the time, like on all the forums, like on Auto Geek Forum, all the, and Autopia and all that, he was Padman. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this guy likes pads so much that he, like his name online is Padman. <laughs> and, uh, but like not long after that, I was, you know, kind of on the same boat and we just kind of get obsessed with it. Well, I mean, it, it's it's important stuff, and I think you know we touched on some really cool points. And and a lot of times, as a detailer, you just right you you don't think about that stuff. You just you know, oh, I I saw in a video he was using the yellow one from this guy, and you just put it on and you just go to town, right? And you yeah. don't think about that stuff, right? Because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem important at the time. You only think about it when it goes wrong. When it goes wrong. You could, yeah. I mean, you're hundred percent right, Jason. I mean, and, and it's, especially when you're chasing nuances and you're under, you know, studying defects and, and trying to figure out, well, how did that get there in the first place? You know, yeah, because what you end up doing, you know, is, oh, this overcut sucks or this over polish sucks or this pad sucks mm -hmm. when realistically it's probably you just not paying attention to what's really going on. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's obviously, yeah, yes. and that's obviously where Kilmer is like, uh, he excels because with his limitations comes, you know, like a heightened sense of, yes. of other things. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I think that's where those fine, those fine nuances and, and little things are what creates, you know, his high skill level and the things that he kind of mm -hmm. is, yeah. has done and is able to do because it, it's just a little bit different. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, there's a, it's a deeper understanding and, a, and an awareness too, right? Yeah, like uh, you're plugged into the matrix in a way, yeah. right? Killing well, you have to be, you know, and and that's <laughs> why the that's why the trifecta of us when we teach. Yeah, I don't really think there's. Uh, I love it. I love it. I think it's so much. It's I like don't a, think there's anything that us three can't figure out. No, and it's also, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with you. And I think that that's where, you know, I know we're, we're, we've been on about 50 minutes now and we can keep going for a little bit, but kind of segueing into how the train, you know, the moving that part into the training aspect, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And, and, and I think I, I've been thinking more about this lately as a detailer, like, especially for somebody like that's new and green. Right. Like you got a Christmas gift or you bought a polisher and a pad and a product. And it's just like, you know, detailing is cool because even if you don't have a lot of experience and you don't have a lot of uh, understanding and you start doing something to the paint, you see an improvement. Right. Yeah. And and so like but with that improvement, you know, you don't nece necessarily understand those nuances of how that actually happened. You just see an improvement. You're like, oh. Like, okay, that improved. But then, you know, that's all fine and good for standard everyday, you know, type of work. But you start doing, you know, more high-level work like you guys have been doing for years. And there's a different expectation. And you're doing something that's completely different. It, it forces you into this corner to look at it 
through a different lens. Well, yeah. you know, um, Dave has been around Mike much longer than I have, but we've, you know, and David started with Mike, but even Mike through the last couple of years is really focused on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I remember David saying, and Mike saying separately, like David took our, our work to the next level. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Mike told me, you know, off to the side, like I never knew our paintwork could look so good. And then when I came in showing him sanding blocks, he was like, what's that for? I'm like, it's a sand block. He's like, that i'm like for that area he's like ah we just take this block and shove it in the corner but you know it's just yeah and that's what gloss university is all about is taking a different approach on the same exact thing we're not doing anything differently we're just taking a different approach yeah i feel like i feel like and as you said that jason i feel like some of the things that the gloss university trainings offer is a is a, almost a way of like slowing things down right like kind of like okay let's let's take what we've all done and let's just backtrack a little bit and let's just kind of not necessarily start over but let's no. start fresh you know yeah. and look at what's going on because in the modern world everything is so fast and it's just like and then you know if you're a detailer and you're you know you're working for yourself or you're working for you know a company it's like you have this consistent action and stuff that happens day to day that sometimes you don't have the time to stop and really think about what's happening or what's going on you know mm-hmm. and um i think that's you know the the harmony of me meeting you guys is has shed a lot of light on my own perspective of things because there's a lot of things in my career being around detailing for almost 30 years that that I've seen with my own two eyes but have never been able to actually uh, how do I say this uh, put in the proper terminology mm-hmm. and so if it's if it's this repetitive thing that you see all the time but you're just like oh yeah I see that but I don't know what it is well, yeah, it's like, you know, I met you first and then I introduced you to David, but you know, it was, you had the skill set, you knew how to use a rotary. Yeah, that's it's all I knew for the longest time. You the, the fine, minute, minute details of sanding and understanding that, because yes. once that was in place, you yeah. knew how to take up scrant- sand scratches. That's not yep. a problem for you. That's yeah. easy. Yeah. It's just understanding those fine, minute details. And right. that's what me and David are really good at. Sure. At different levels, he does sure. things better than I do and then vice versa. Sure. Because that's our strengths and our weaknesses. Totally. But me and David have talked for years about stuff of like yeah. seeing paint and understanding it. He sees it better than I do at a different right. level with my my lack of depth perception. But I see stuff that he can't see either. So sure. That's where Gloss University really strikes a chord differently from other programs out there. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it, I mean, I think there's there's just th- different things. I mean, I remember the first time that I realized that there was two types of aggressiveness. You know, like there was a product that removed material fast, and then there was something that leveled the material better. Uh-huh. You know, so, so like uh-huh. how it, how it, even though it's really fine texture, really fine on the paint, one will pull that sand scratcher, that texture flatter than another product, even if the other product might remove more clear coat. Sure. You know, so what are we talking about? Are we talking about aggressiveness in terms of polishing power or aggressiveness in terms of leveling? 
Yeah. Um, and then what are the other characteristics of that? You know, at that point, then you're like, oh, okay, well, now my brain wants to explode because now I'm like, all right, well, what about the heat? Like, so now you have the variable, the heat. Now what about my down pressure? And then what about um, the machine speed? Um, mm -hmm. You know, like there's some some products that, depending on how you use them too, you know, you knock that, knock that speed down. And as long as you can keep that pad rotation, you cut pretty hard, even though right. you're moving super slow. Right. Um, as long as you have have a good, you know, handle on the machine and you you know how the pad's moving, you know, how you know how it's working. Totally. Um, there's just a lot of stuff like that. I think it's interesting. Well, no, it, it totally is. And that's why I think, you know, kind of moving over into the tail end of the podcast as we kind of talk a little bit about trainings, I think like, you know, there's now, you know, in the last, maybe since just before the start of the pandemic, you see lots of, you know, online, the different trainings and stuff like that. And I, myself, I feel like the Gloss University training is, is definitely different, mostly because of uh, the people involved mm. and the core knowledge that's there. You know, you, you both kind of have your own expertise in the world of the body shop and reconditioning and painting and some of the core fundamentals that goes into, you know, painting a car, mm. putting it together, you know, and, and, you know, my background with car washing and detailing and, and kind of some of the, the core basic fundamentals that often get overlooked in a lot of ways, right? Like everybody, and I see that more and more in the, like everybody wants to be a detailer and they all want to do the, the fancy paint correction stuff, which is cool and great but they don't even understand the fundamentals of car washing, you know? And, and so kind of that, that the tribal knowledge that, you know, we kind of all bring together. I think anybody that has attended a gloss university training would kind of agree that it's special, right? They, yeah. That they left feeling uh, positive about the experience and definitely learned something. Right. And that's, well, that's all you can hope for. Exactly. And then you add Noxie to the mix and forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Wild man, you know, oh. taking boots and shoes and beating the crap out of panels. I'm like, Noxie, we got we to gotta get done in a couple hours. Ah, whatever. Well, Noxie's also a master at kind of, you know, I always, I, I think good teachers kind of um, in some way make it respectfully awkward or somewhat mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And Noxie does a good job of really challenging the individual to think, mm -hmm. right? Because anybody can go in there and show and demonstrate like, oh, look, we're doing this and we're going, oh, you use this and we do, we did this, right? But not everybody can really challenge you, you know? And Noxie has that, that skill set where he'll just stop the class and be like, all right, he'll point to someone and be like, what about this? And he'll mm -hmm. take the class in a whole different direction. And I think those moments when it forces the individual to think about something, that's when you learn, right? Oh, it's, it maybe, definitely makes everybody uncomfortable. That is for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but in a, uncomfortable and comfortable. And yeah, right, in a good for way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a, he can spark up a crowd like I've never seen before. Yeah. He's yelling a hoopla and all that. Everybody gets into it and they have a big smile on their face. And I can't just stop and just oh, shake my best. head at one time, but laugh at the same time as well. Yeah, you, know, you know, that's what me and David think. We're like, God, we gotta, we gotta clean up his mess, but we can't 
we, we have to laugh at the same time. Yeah. That's the best. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, this, the past, this past summer when we were all at the ring brothers for gloss university, we had a great crew and a good, you know, mixed variety of people from pretty much all over the country. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we had people from the West coast, East coast, uh, down South, up North local yeah. people. I mean, it was, a. Uh, and I think that that is kind of what makes Gloss University unique is the bringing people together from all different skill sets, from all different walks of life, with all different experiences to kind of come together to try to just be better. And whatever well, that is, you know, you know what I mean? They, On any they, level. All, they all stay in touch with us if they have a question. Um, so yep. that's when you know you're do, you you did something right that you put. Yeah, you're on the right path. Yeah, you're on the right path, yeah. and, and you, they might not know everything, but they know they, they can get an answer from one of us. Sure. Um, and that's when you know you have a good program that's on the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, we're, and there, this is, I mean, essentially, just like any detailer getting started or just like anybody getting started, you know, you kind of grow and evolve and you change a little bit and you, you, you do away with things that don't necessarily work and you adopt new practices. And, and, and I think that essentially Gloss University is doing the same thing. You know, like we had an idea of how things should go and you, you adapt and you change a little bit and you, you know, mix it up. And, and that's, that's kind of the plan for this year. Um, you know, before we, we get close, I mean, we got a little bit more time here before we can talk, uh, before we cut off for this episode, but we, our first training this year is going to be in California at, uh, Paul Springer's detailing studio in uh, Irvine, California. And that's going to be the last weekend in April. Right. And if you're listening to this podcast and you guys have any questions about that, head over to the gloss U website or shoot David or myself or Jason a message. But I'm kind of excited about the, the, the kickoff of the April class specifically, mostly because we've had a several attempts to do a class with Paul. It was just timing, logistics, pandemic. There was a lot of factors that just made it challenging, you know? Um, but I, Paul had said to me, you know, and, and, he looks up to us and Paul was, you know, it's like, dude, I, I need you guys here. I really want to learn some more advanced sanding stuff because Paul is doing a lot of different types of vehicles from OEM and hot rod stuff. And he knows as, as long as Paul's been in business and as good as he is, he knows that he has his own limitations. And, and I admire people like that, that are v- like honest and vulnerable, right? Because I, we see a lot in the detail industry where people get ego, which, which necessarily isn't bad, but you know, a lot of times if you, if you have too big of an ego, it holds you back from breaking into the next level. Oh yeah. Right. And if you're just honest with yourself and you're just, you know, like, what's the, what's the harm in being honest? Like, Hey dude, I'm really good at this, but I'm not so good at that. That doesn't make you a bad detailer or it doesn't make you bad at business. It's just like, you're just being honest. Like this is my limitation, you know? And so I, I, I admire Paul for just being like honest and vulnerable. I think that's like a, a really cool thing. So, you know, I remember when I, I asked him, I was like, well, do you want to do more of a beginner training or advanced training? And his exact words were, we have so many mobile detailers in California that we need the advanced training like you could never imagine. And, and I, I'm, I think that have, the way he said it, it was just kind of like, let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, the, the California class is going to be fun. And there's a lot of other stuff uh, going on with the Beverly Hills Ferrari and a lot of other things and other people that are going to be uh, a part of that training. So the more information to come here, especially this month in January with that. Um, yep. And additionally, we're going to have the uh, a class at the Ring Brothers in the summer. We're working on dates for that. And then we're going to be at uh, Robbie Layton's in the the very end of September to the beginning of October. And I think we're, we're, we had talked, I actually talked to Robbie yesterday about that. Um, and Jason, you can chime in a little bit about this with, you know, you were out in Utah and Robbie had, you know, Robbie wanted to do more of a beginner's course mm -hmm. specifically because, you know, in, in that region of the country, there's a lot of people that um, they just want to maintain their well, vehicles a lot of it's off-road with robbie and matt's off-road that have, sure. matt's off-road has a huge channel you know you have moab out there and things like that so right it's basically getting your jeep clean or your off-road vehicle sure. clean right so you you look cleaner than everybody else but they're not really necessarily concerned about scratches and swirls and things like that right so robbie's thought process is, is with my channel and matt's channel we can combine them yeah and we can have you know two large classes of 25 or 30 per class for one day yeah. and then just teach the basics yeah yeah some core fundamentals and i mm -hmm. i really think that that's a, a you know you <sighs> When I started doing this, I was kind of thinking like, yeah, none of that stuff matters. But I, I, the more I've studied it and the more I've seen people even, you know, that have been doing it for a couple of years, a lot of the, the core basics of wash prep and why we're washing and what we're cleaning and the substrates we're cleaning and all these things, it's overlooked. You know, they just use what was close to them or what they saw and they don't understand. And um, the I, I think, you know. I've said this forever, and I'll continue to say it, that, you know, um, detailing begins where car washing ends. Mm -hmm. And, right, I mean, that's that's detailing. You know, you wash the car, and you're like, oh, we got tar down low, or we got a scratch here, or we got this, you know. Those are detailing things. And so yeah. if you shortchange your wash, you're left to deal with a lot of these other things at a later time. And so um, I think that there's value in both, right? Oh, value yeah. in the basics exactly. and the advance. You know? And most people really just want a clean car. And I remember when you did that Corvette, Maddie. Yeah. Remember when I walked yeah. in your garage, I'm like, whoa, what did you yeah. do? And he's like, I just gave it a thorough wash with my hot wire pressure washer and I sealed it. I'm like, yeah. there's no way. Dude, yeah. there's, you're and, like, and you're did you polish this? Jason Kilmer. You know, yeah. I'm like, there's no way, Maddie. And you're yeah. like, yeah, that's all I did. And then the customer came, the lady, and she was blown away. Yeah, that's that was cool that you were here for her to see her reaction oh, to that. Oh, it was that priceless. And, and then that you was, hopped in the back. Yeah, and I hopped in the back. And that was one of those situations where she originally wanted the car ceramic coated, and mm -hmm. I talked her out of doing it because there were faint water spots in the car. And, I, and they weren't going to keep the car for, they were going to hold on to it. I think it was a lease car. So I was like, don't waste your money, you know. And honesty, you know, just being honest with people goes a long, long way. And I have a loyal customer because of it. And she, you know, she trusts me because I'm not just trying to smash her over the head and take her money. Well, it's you funny know? how the timing was because I got there and I'm like, whoa. And then if I said, whoa, Maddie was like, great. She's going to say, wow. And she yeah. did say, wow. Yeah. And, it, you know, it you got a fat tip for it, too. So anything, well, you got a hug out of it, too. Yeah, yeah. And well, I think we'll, I got a hug out of it, too. I just, like, she didn't even know who I was. 
we got to have we got to talk. We have to do another podcast, like sp- kind of specifically about the APS soap. But I mean, a, a fundamental of that how that car looked the way it looked was because of the APS soap. You know that that product is uh, is definitely unique, and it and it cleans, especially when you introduce heat. I do feel like now that I have my hot pressure washer, if I had to go back to cold water, and don't get me wrong, I still use cold water in certain situations, but using heat is has been a game change changer. So um, I'm excited, guys. I don't know. I'm excited for this year. We have yeah, a lot on good. our plate, and there's a lot of the stuff that's coming together. And and for everybody that's you know watching or has questions, you know, it's there's a lot of work. There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happens with planning, and you know procuring locations and flights and travel and this person and that and sponsors and supply. It's just like it gets a gets a little crazy. So um, you know we're doing our best, and and like I had mentioned earlier, you know it, it's kind of like detailers changing and adapting we're kind of doing the same thing on our side you know yeah changing and adapting a little bit so um i don't know this was fun guys i mean do, should we have is there anything else we need to touch on uh, i mean before? basically we need to do a part two because we yeah. I think we should do a part two work yeah yeah what, i would yeah what that entails for the future we can talk yeah. about a whole bunch of stuff so it doesn't matter i mean yeah talk about this car that we just sanded we can talk about some more train stuff we can talk about aps soap we can talk yeah. about so much stuff well then let, let's stuff. be before we you know before we sign off today let's you know we don't have to do it now live on the podcast but we'll find the time to kind of do a part two to this uh this podcast because you know we can keep going on forever in a day. I and mean, I, we could do a whole podcast on David and tacos. And David mm-hmm. and tacos. Well, I will say, Dave, and I mentioned this to you when we were in Michigan, you have, like, your secret taco spot that they're, like, the best tacos I have ever had. And I've had a lot of tacos. <laughs> they're really I'm good. Picky. I'm pretty picky when it comes He's to tacos. Very picky. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for a white guy. Well, I have huge tacos, a couple other things. Yeah, David's like... Well, I remember when when I was up at uh, with Dave and we were doing some packaging for the APS. He went and got tacos, and he's like, "How many do you want? You want two or three? And I'm like, "No, no, just get me two. And he looked over. He's like, "Are you sure you only want two? <laughs> and then so I ended up getting two. And then I felt bad that I was like, "Man, I should have got third." And Dave was so kind. He's like, "Here, take mine. Take my other taco because yeah, yeah. you had gotten more." So yeah, that's pretty. As was, long as David has two things, tacos and nos. He's good. If he You're doesn't have one, he's angry. If he doesn't have, if he has zero, you don't even want to be in the same room as him. Dude, no tacos too- are nos. It's game over. <laughs> it's, it's too funny. Forget it's it. Too funny. Just pack well, up and go home. So, all right, guys, uh, for everybody listening, I really thank everybody for tuning into the podcast today, and for Jason and Dave, like this was really cool kind of impromptu a little bit last minute stuff. And I think some really cool things happen when that, when it's that format, we're like, Hey, mm-hmm. let's just get up here and talk. And I, I still love the buffing pad talk because there's so many, like I mentioned, fine nuances that are important with that and things that I'm still kind of learning about when you were with Lake country. And I just think it's cool stuff. So yeah. um, we could I, probably do multiple podcasts just on buffing pads. Oh, for sure. And Maddie, you've never been to Lake country yet. Correct. I've never seen the inside of the factory. No, oh boy! No, no, I've, ne- I've never. It's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. never been. I mean, and I love warehousing and manufacturing. I've been in all kinds of liquid manufacturers in my career, but on the buffing pad side, that's that's something that I've kind of fallen you know, short you know of. What I miss the most about Lake Country and David: T-shirt Tuesday. 
Wait a second. Teacher Tuesday was a blast. Teacher Tuesday. Kilmer, is that true? David's phone. That's no That's his alarm. That means we gotta we gotta shut off here soon. But before we go away, Kilmer, earlier in this podcast, you said mm-hmm. the thing you missed the most was the corporate credit card. Well, okay, two. <laughs> two things I missed the most. Or three things. Free pads, corporate cards, and T shirt Tuesday. Oh my gosh. Well, we need to start I got to start working on T-shirts for uh, for Gloss U for California. But, yeah, in the meantime, if you guys have any questions, you know where to find us on all the platforms and all that stuff. But, guys, this was fun. Um, thank, I know you guys, uh, it, Jason, you got to go and do some, I got basketball. Some, some basketball sports stuff this evening. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really glad that everybody tuned in for this episode and i guess we will um we'll see you guys um for part two we have to do part two would you agree oh we didn't even start yet we just warmed up we just warmed up all right sweet well we'll see you guys on the next episode of driven by details 